brought to you by the students of Mary Persons High School in conjunction with MPTV. This is Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. I'm your host, Carrie Buckendale. First this morning, every five years, school districts must go through a lengthy process to attain accreditation. It's a huge undertaking, but it's very important for our students. Monroe County Schools will undergo review this week. To explain the process and what it means for our students, I sat down with Assistant Superintendent for Teaching and Learning, Alicia Elder. So for starters, we've got a pretty big event coming up next week, something you've been working on for the better part of a year. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Cognia and what attaining our accreditation means? Absolutely. So Cognia, just so everyone is aware, is a nonprofit organization. They um, represent more than 36,000 public and private institutions in about 70 countries. And their goal is to certify that educational institutions are continuously improving with their practices. And so they have to come into school systems and universities um, and private institutions every five years to give recommendations and commendations on their practices. And the reason why Cognia is so important that we fulfill this accreditation is so our students can actually go to post-secondary institutions. So if the, if, a, if the high school is not accredited, then a college or university may not accept that student into their institution for further, for further education. So this is really important for our students' futures then? Absolutely. All right, now you said five years, but because of COVID, it's been a little bit longer than that, hasn't it? It's been six years. So five years ago, we were prepared to go through accreditation. And then when the pandemic hit, Cognia, which in the past was named Advanced Ed and SACS, it's gone through several different rebrandings. Um, they wanted to make, they pushed it off for a year. So with that, the timeline for all the school districts that were up for accreditation were pushed back. So back in, I would say, November of 2020 is when we really started to put our timeline together um, to get everything in line for this process. And normally, Cognia visits are held face-to-face, -face, and unfortunately, our visit has to be conducted virtually, and that makes it very difficult and challenging because we have to prove who we are as a school system through either interviews or through artifacts that we submit virtually and electronically. So that can be quite a challenge because when a group um, of team members come into your, your district and they get to be in the classrooms and they get to see the students engaged, they get to see and feel the culture of the environment that our students um, are able to um, work in, it's, it makes it more difficult and challenging. So that's why it's taking over a year for us to get prepared for this visit. You know, I've seen the magnitude of the artifacts that you have to put together, but can you explain a little bit to our listeners what you're trying to do? Is it, um, how do you show this documentation? So 
one thing that we have to do, there are 31 standards that we have to show evidence for. And so because it's a virtual visit, we have to show actual artifacts and documentation that support those standards. So we created this document, it's like a spreadsheet, and we plugged in all of our 31 standards that we're evaluated on, and that we challenged all of our schools, including the district level, to create teams who would go out and find those artifacts that would help give us the highest rating that Cognia would look for, which is the level of embeddedness. And so that's one thing that we want to make sure that we have is a high rating in each of those standards. So they will need enough evidence and artifacts to prove that that, that practice is actually embedded in part of our school's culture, our school district's culture. So we have thousands of artifacts that have been uploaded and our teams have worked very hard to ensure that they are proving that you know that practice is in place across the district and that's one thing the um, the team looks for is that it's not just a central office practice but that is actually seen and embedded across every school in our district and that we're speaking the same language and that we have similar processes in our in our across the district all right these artifacts range from websites and newsletters to training documentation mm -hmm. meeting notes is that correct basically everything the schools are doing yeah everything that the school's doing they just need proof that we're doing it and there are three levels there are three domains that they sort of cluster those standards under so you have leadership capacity learning capacity and resource capacity and under those you have you know a cluster of standards and so you just have to prove through documentation, uh, meeting agendas, policies and procedures, our school and district handbooks. You know, you can definitely use websites or any type of electronic communication that we might have on social media. Anything that we can prove that we are embedding that practice. Right. Once you have all that together and you submit okay. this document, and I'm telling y'all, thousands of links <laughs> in this document, what happens next? Because they can't come here. Right. So what's going to happen next week? Okay, so next week, it's, it's a four-day visit. And generally, if it were face-to-face, -face, it would be four days as well. But basically, we have scheduled interviews. So not only are they looking at the spreadsheet of artifacts that we are that we have embedded on this spreadsheet to share with them but we also have numerous interviews that have been set up and scheduled so on Monday January 31st starting at 8 o'clock they will begin with an overview of the district and Dr. Hickman and our team put together a PowerPoint presentation to share a little bit about our school system, just to give a general overview of what they're, they're gonna be um, hearing from interviews and seeing through our artifacts. And then the interviews will start generally within the next hour and every hour for the entire day. Um, but our school board members will be interviewed on Monday, as well as Dr. Hickman, he will be interviewed 
by himself, by the team, and then they will interview our executive cabinet, which would be myself as an assistant superintendent, Mr. Jackson Daniel, a superintendent, assistant superintendent, as well as um, Mr. Josh Griffiths, who is our chief technology officer, and you, Ms. Buckendale, mm -hmm. you will be on that executive cabinet interview. Um, and then pretty much that day, we'll conclude with the team, their interview team, getting together and hearing and um, really rating that piece of evidence that they gained from all those interviews. And then the day will start again on Tuesday, um, February the 1st. And they'll be interviewing district office leaders on Tuesday. Then they will be um, interviewing our, all of our principals, our assistant principals, instructional coaches. And then at the end of the day on Tuesday, they'll be, begin interviewing some of our teachers. And then on Wednesday, we will continue with more teachers being interviewed as well as classified staff members, which would be our paraprofessionals. Um, some of our custodians have been selected to be interviewed. Um, school nutrition. Uh, who else? Let's see, secretaries. So anyone who is uh, considered a classified staff member could be interviewed as they were selected by their principal to participate. And then our students will be interviewed as well as um, some of our parents and community members. So they will get a snapshot from all stakeholders um, those, those three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then on Thursday, really that day is when we have to be available as an executive cabinet to uh, be able to answer any questions or provide any uh, further evidence or clarification that they may, that the team members may have based upon the evidence that we've submitted or the, some of the comments or questions that were asked of team members or those who were interviewed. So basically that last day is when that interview team, or the Cognia team, um, begins to rate, really rate and put everything together um, so that they can tell us, um, you know, how we performed as a school system. So um, on Thursday at four o'clock is called the exit presentation. And, and during that time, that is when the Cognia team members will do a virtual meeting with Dr. Hickman and our executive cabinet, our principals are invited, our, um, our chairman and vice chairman of the board and our instructional coaches and our and the uh, interview team or the cognitive team will be able to tell us what they learned about our school system. They will not be able to provide us with our rating and whether or not we're accredited or not, but they will give us um, some, just an overall kind of a snapshot on kind of where they're headed for scoring because after they leave our district, then they have to put together this elaborate document that goes through several committees before they give us a final rating. So um, it, it is, a, it is a, a long process. So this is just um, the next step. And I really feel like our district will do really well with this. We have worked really hard to put everything together. So we're looking forward to next week.
And I know you'll breathe a big sigh of relief when this is over. Absolutely. This has taken several years off my life <laughs> just to prepare for this event because I know how important this is for our students mm -hmm. and for our community because we want to continue with our accreditation process and be highly accredited, um, which I really feel that we will be. Um, I feel very confident in that because of who we are and um, the work that we've continuously do for our students. I know you have worked really hard with this as have all the principals and the other district staff, but you in particular have had this on your plate for a very long time and I know everybody's appreciative for all the work you put into it. I also discussed another hot topic with Miss Elder, the need for substitute teachers. Now while I have you, another thing yes. you've really been working on mm -hmm is substitute teacher training. I know we recently had a training where we trained, I think nine more substitutes mm -hmm. came. Yes. Can you tell people what it is you're looking for during that training? Because I know there's been a lot of interest about mm -hmm. becoming a substitute teacher. What do they have to go through during this training session to be ready for our classrooms? Um, absolutely, so if there is someone out in the community who would um, love to be a substitute, which we desperately need, especially right now, with the number of staff members that we have who are out for illness, particularly um, COVID. Mm -hmm. um, they need to apply through our district website and they fill out an application electronically. They also have to go through a substitute training course through Middle Georgia RESA. Mm -hmm. So that is another piece that is outside of our school system, but they have to make sure that they take that course through Middle Georgia RESA and once they have that um, certificate, they will upload that into their application process with our school system. And then once we have um, a pool of applicants, then we will generally schedule a training. Um, generally, it's, it's several times a year that we provide a substitute training. Really, it's probably about four times a year, once a quarter generally. And during that training, what we do is we um, we have a presentation that we have for our substitutes and it's, it's part of our onboarding process. We want to acclimate them to our school system, sort of go over some classroom management strategies, talk about when they get into the club, when they arrive in the classroom, what are some things that they need to be aware of regarding safety concerns, um, where to find their lesson plans, who to go to if they have a question just to make them feel more comfortable about you know, actually working in a school setting. Some of these individuals may have never stepped foot into a classroom, um, and the last time they did, they were actually a student. So we wanna make sure that they feel comfortable about working in our school environment and to know where to go when they have a question. So we go through um, around a 15 minute or 20 minute presentation. And this past training, we actually invited our principals to come in and to share a little bit of information about you know, the middle school, the high school, and the elementary schools. We tend to have more substitutes who prefer the elementary age. And we're really seeing the need for substitutes at the middle and high school level right now. So we wanted to bring in our principals, especially our middle and high school principal, for, and give them a chance to share what it's like and to make them feel comfortable and to give them a familiar face. So if they have a question, they know where to go. So we go through that training 
And then um, Jessica Evans will provide our um, train our trainees with a mandated reporter uh, segment because a substitute is considered a mandated reporter and they are required by law to report any um, suspicion of child abuse. And so we take them through that training and then Mr. Ronnie Shipman generally comes in and he will acclimate our potential substitutes on how to go through our um, platform that we use, um, our ASOP platform for securing substitutes. So it's really basically everything they're going to need to know before their first day in the classroom. Absolutely. And we give them a handbook with our it's a substitute handbook, so everything that we go over in the training, they'll have a copy to go home with them. And we provide them with, you know, pay scale information, um, dress code information. We give them everything they need to know so they'll feel comfortable and successful in the classroom. Excellent. Ms. Elder, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Yes. Again, if you want to be a substitute teacher, the first step is go to our website, which is monroe.k12.ga.us. Mm -hmm. Look for the link in the middle of the page. Follow that procedure. Get your Middle Georgia RESA class underway, <laughs> and then come take a class here, and you'll be ready to be in the classroom. Absolutely. The Monroe County School Nutrition Program has an exciting announcement this week. I visited Program Director Lisa Budd to get the inside scoop. Thanks for joining us today. Just last week, you started finalizing a new partnership with a local farm to bring some fresh stuff to our kids. Can you tell us about it? Absolutely. It's something that uh, the Georgia Department of Education School Nutrition Program has tried to implement all across Georgia, and that's work with our local farmers to introduce the kids to things that are right here in their area. Well, unfortunately, we hadn't really had an opportunity because we didn't have someone that could deliver to our schools. Well, just the other day, I am so excited because I know things have been so crazy and out of the norm. I want to bring the fun back for our kids, show them that we still want to be creative and offer them as much freshness as we can. Dickie's Farms. Dickie's Farms came and visited us and wanted to start a partnership. They have several partnerships with other districts and they are able to deliver fresh strawberries starting in April. So we are going to have a strawberry, fresh strawberry fest probably for April and May. So I'm so excited to bring that to the children. And will that be at all the schools or just one particular age level? How's that going to work? We're going to go all schools. Every child in Monroe County Schools deserves to have fresh strawberries delivered right to our door from Dickey's Farms. And also there's an opportunity to partner with them even more so and have field trips. Uh, they do educational sessions. Uh, they, do a whole, they have a whole bee house where they talk about bees and how that works with their crops and what the bees do. And so it really is just wonderful. I love taking kids exactly to a place where we get and source the food to let them see just how fresh local produce is and to, and to know that we in School Nutrition look for those opportunities to bring the freshest of the fresh to our cafeterias. So these kids really get to experience the farm to table taste and 
have a good time while they're doing it. Absolutely. Well, like, even we can do, you know, competitions with them and have them come up with recipes with the strawberries. And unfortunately, I know Dickey's Farms is known for their peaches, and we do, do have a lot of awesome Mary Person students that work at Dickey's Farms, but the peaches don't come in until about June. But it's still something as we partner with Dickey Farms that we can create recipes with peaches even outside of the school year and bring that in to when school starts in August and have you know some type of award or something like that. So there's so many opportunities to work with our local farmers. That is really exciting and I know you know with COVID it's been such a challenge to get various um, produce or supplies to our students, to our schools, so this is great to have a local source. But can you tell our parents a little bit about what you guys have been going through with the COVID challenges? Thank you so much for, for bringing that uh, up because even though you're not hearing about supply chain issues on the news as much as we did in the beginning, they still exist. And one thing I know it can be frustrating for the students and the parents to look at our menu and then come in that day and expect one thing and be served another. It is not done on purpose. We are at the mercy of what the distributors bring to us. We have very limited time to know what we're going to be shorted. So my managers are to be commended because they get very creative because our goal is it's still going to be high quality, good, healthy meals for the children. It just unfortunately may not be exactly what I have on the menu. And the menus do state menu subject to change and there's a reason. Also, when it comes to supply chain issues, we are getting price increases on some of our most popular things weekly. And so I have to view that and analyze it, how it impacts uh, our plate cost. And I may have to unfortunately take things off of the menu. I can give you two examples, pineapples and mandarin oranges. I promise you those are our two popular fruits, but unfortunately they're cost prohibitive and I cannot continue to serve them weekly, two times a week, I have to remove those, replace them with something else just as good, like fresh strawberries from Dickey Farms. But it, it's, it's a challenge because we don't know what is going to happen week to week. But I can promise that it will be the kids' favorites. It just may be on a different day. So flexibility and patience is what I'm hearing we all need to have right now. Is that correct? Absolutely. And another thing when you talk about flexibility and patience, Staffing gets impacted uh, tremendously uh, during this COVID time uh, because one, whether they have children and they have to be out for the children or if they are sick themselves and as it goes through the district, it impacts each kitchen maybe at a different time. So what we have to do is adjust our method of service. Uh, a lot of times uh, parents, you might see the children are being served on a flat tray. You may be, see them have to-go trays well, that's because that's all we can get when it comes to the paper supplies. But if I have limited staff, there are certain things that you'll see on the tray that I have to do because a lot of folks do not know that my program is based on a reimbursable meal. And I get reimbursed for a meal by having a fruit or vegetable on the tray every day. Now, you might say, well, is that all my child gets? Because when we have to put it in a to-go tray, that's what it looks like, is that it's a meal to go and it's, but that is, that is not true. If you look at the entire serving line, there's all, um, always several other options. 
and they can get another vegetable or fruit. They can get the milk, of course. We have choices of milk, but there's always two entrees, two fruits, two vegetables for the most part. Sometimes you will see that we have to put a fruit or a vegetable on the tray to make sure it's reimbursed. If I have one person working a line to serve 600 children, then we're gonna go ahead and know that that meal is reimbursable by going ahead and picking the most popular fruit or vegetable that we can, but the children can always decline it. They can always choose another one. They can always choose an additional one, as well as the two fruits and the milk. That tray should be full. So whether I serve it in a to-go tray or a flat tray, please understand it's never a to-go situation. It's not a prepared plate that they take and run they can choose along the line for other varieties. So it's that same great food they get every day, it's just in a different package. Exactly. Excellent, now with the COVID shortages and everything else, word on the street is you've gotten a little extra unexpected help at one of the schools. You wanna tell our parents about that? Boy, do I ever, and I hope this goes national because they deserve national recognition. <laughs> Mr. Lindsay and Miss Miller, from Mary Persons High School. I cannot thank them enough. They are two people that see a need and take care of it. Now, my manager is very prideful at Mary Persons High School and does not ask for help. She wants to manage it as best she can. But we did have a circumstance where I had five employees out. Now you're talking serving probably about 800 children and you're down five employees. So at breakfast, it's critical to have everybody there. Well, the manager was gonna run. We have carts out there that are available where the kids come in in the morning, whether it's car, uh, the car line or the bus line. And so she didn't have enough people, so she was gonna run back and forth. Well, Mr. Lindsay and Miss Miller saw this and they, they asked the manager, Miss Roberts, uh, do you need help? Oh no, I have it, I have it. Well, they jumped on a breakfast cart, regardless of her asking for help, had the best time serving the students and just made it happen because we're all in this together. Monroe County students are our first and main priority and starting them off with a breakfast to fuel them for learning is part, probably what I consider the most part, important part of the day. But Mr. Lindsay and Ms. Miller show what it takes to get things done in a time like this. And you never know, we might need parent volunteers. All right, well, way to go. Just another example of the champ lifestyle at Mary Persons. They got a super champ shout out. Good, I'm so <laughs> glad to hear. Now, before we wrap this up, is there anything else you want our parents to know, our students to know, or just the general population about what you guys do? Absolutely, well, it's all about feeding kids healthy meals, but we still wanna keep the creativity coming. And unfortunately, over the past two years with the pandemic, I have been unable to hold an annual event that I bring in uh, probably about 50 freshman campus students and we do an annual taste test. I bring in uh, all kinds of manufacturers, whether they manufacture breakfast items, lunch items, snack items, and I let the students try and based on their reactions and their feedback on the items, it absolutely gets put on the menu. I do this for them. So I don't make the decisions on my own. I've got to make sure it's something that's, that they will accept that they, that they will eat again, and I want it to be good, and I want it to kind of mesh with, you know, what's happening, what the trends are in restaurants around town. 
And so I really look for that, give them variety, bring in different kind of, you know, flavors, uh, you know, whether it's Asian flair, or Mexican flair. I want them to know that we, even though during this very difficult time, we still want to appeal to them and we still want to keep being creative and bringing them as much uh, fresh, from scratch, new, innovative products that we can. That is our goal and that will always be our goal. So we're coming back uh, to bring those kids together and do a taste test and that will be in March. Well, that's exciting. Yes. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We appreciate thank it. You. Keep doing all the great things that you guys are doing. Well, thank you so much. Any questions, Lisa Budd, School Nutrition, Monroe County Schools. Thank you for tuning in to Monroe County Schools Radio exclusively on Magic 100 FM. Have a great week. Remember to be a champ. And as always, go dogs. The thoughts expressed in this segment represent Monroe County Schools.